If you could please pray the words, Come, Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit upon us. As that same Spirit hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation, we ask for a spirit of peace here today. Please bless Karsten and Grace as they prepare for a lifelong marriage. And please bless all of us with the good news of the gospel. And I make all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are. Finally made it. You're still smiling, so we're off to a good start. For those who don't know me, my name is Father Zach Weber. I'm the chaplain at UW Oshkosh. So Karsten and I met about three years ago. And then that first year that I was there, we were, we were doing an all-night prayer vigil and adoration. And as Carson was praying, uh, we prayed the rosary every hour for the upcoming election, a patriotic rosary, actually. And this girl's name kept coming up, Grace, 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 Grace. And maybe that's just how the Holy Spirit works, I'm not sure. Um, but a few days later, Carson came up to me and said, Hey, Father, I, I was praying, and I just kept being brought back to this girl I know. Her name is Grace. What do you think I should do? And I was like, well, probably call her. That'd be a good first step. And then just simply um, just see where the Lord takes you. But if it's of him, you're going to be blessed. And now three years later, here we are. So Grace, you are an answer to Carson's prayers. So praise the Lord for that. Sometimes we come to a wedding and we're a little bit nervous. I just want to tell you a brief joke. Uh, maybe it's to kind of ease the tension because sometimes um, we're, we come into a church and we we walk in and maybe we haven't been in a while or we know we're not living an upright lifestyle and we think when I walk in the church like a guillotine's going to come down or lightning's going to strike me or I'm going to like disintegrate when I come into the church. But that hasn't happened yet. So if you're here and you're far away, um, the Lord loves you. And um, just sometimes jokes have a way of easing the tension. So there's a story about a young woman and she is flying. She's a, a businesswoman and, and she's flying and she sits next to a gentleman and he's quite a bit older than her, and he immediately engages her in conversation. He says, well, I'm, I'm on airplanes. I like to talk to people. Do you like to talk? And she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. And he said, well, I'm, I'm an, just a big, big atheist, and I love debating the existence of God. Now, mind you, she was just at a Christian conference talking about the existence of God. So as they're there, she's asked, she asked a question. She says, well, let me just ask you a few questions first before you debate me. And she starts talk, like listing off a different, few different names of animals. And the first one she names off is an elephant. She, do you know what an elephant is? And he says, yes, I know what an elephant is. And she's like, do you, you ever notice how, how large and mushy their poop is? Like when it comes down and hits the ground, it goes, and it's like a pie. Do you know why that is? And he said, no, I don't know why that is. And he said, and then also like, you know, like when fish poop, it's like, it's like little strings, like when in a fish tank, like, do you know why that is? And he said, no, I don't know why that is. And then she named, like, you know, rabbits and deer and said they, they, they poop in, like, little petals like, and, like, little balls. And, like, like, do you know why that is? And he's like, I don't have a clue. She's like, well, I, I believe in a God who created a universe effortlessly that's 90-plus billion light years across. And why would you want to debate the existence of God when you simply do not know crap, right? <laughs> um, Carson and Grace are on the woman's side, right? So as we're here, they believe a God has brought them together um, with, a, with an amazing plan for their lives. And as we're here today, 
We're here to simply just open the word of God, and these, these words were picked by Carson and Grace. Um, thank you, by the way, because you also picked some of the most difficult readings to preach on ever. Um, no, no problem there. Um, but I just want to just touch on a, a few different things. And the, the one thing I want you to take away, because I know you've got a lot going on in your mind right now, is just um, to satiate the Lord's thirst. Satiate his thirst. Our world is simply thirsty. We're going to different places just, just to, to, to be filled, to, to find joy, to find happiness. Uh, but the only one who can do that is the creator of the thirst. So we enter into our readings today and we look at this wedding in Cana in Galilee. And this is so important for us because the God who created that universe that is 90 plus billion, billion plus light years across uh, became one of us. And he's now 30 years old. He's been living a hidden lifestyle, just simply just being filled more and more with, with, with the, the Father's mission for his life. And he's at a wedding because it's so important for us to know is because that's been God's intention for all eternity, is to always be one with us, to never be separated. But sin, what sin has done, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, they sold our race into slavery against powers that you and I can't compete against, the powers of sin and death. And those powers are very powerful because um, people say, well, that's not that that big of a deal, but sin is a power because often you and I do things that we wish we didn't do. We know it's wrong. We don't want to do it. We do it anyways, right? And we fight these things, but that's because sin is a power. And the Lord Jesus came to restore that. And the fact that his first miracle happened at a wedding is so important for us to have a lens into this wedding for Grace and Carson. The mother of Jesus is there. And don't mothers have a beautiful way of seeing things that men don't? You notice how Jesus is there, and Mary notices something's wrong. She has such a heart for her son. She's the one who gave him flesh. And she noticed that the wine has run short, and she says, Jesus, the wine has run short. They're thirsty. And Jesus says to her, woman, how does your concern affect me? Now, he's not being degrading to her. He's actually knowing that she is the fulfillment of the new Eve, where Eve was disobedient when the first sin happened. Now, Mary was obedient. She gave her yes to God, where Eve said no. And he says, woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. The hour for Jesus is on the cross, where he is the bridegroom, giving up his life for us, the bride. No pressure, Carson. That's your job, right? So you have to mirror. You also pick these readings. So you have to mirror that, which I'll talk about in a second. And Mary goes to the servers, and she says, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever Jesus tells you. And those are the last words that Mary ever speaks in sacred scripture. And there's stone jars there for Jewish ceremonial washing, which means the water is dirty. Kind of like our lives sometimes, right? We just, we just know that we've been doing things wrong. We may not call them sins, but the water is dirty. And Jesus says, make sure you fill them to the brim. Which means I want to leave you completely satiated. I don't want you to go anywhere else. So Jesus prays with the, with the six stone jars full of water now. He prays and he changes the water into wine. And everyone there had been drinking already, and usually you, you, you don't serve the best wine last. But they, they noticed that, and they said, everyone serves a good wine first, but you have allowed everyone to drink freely an inferior one, and, and here you have kept the best wine until now. And what a lot of people miss there is that Jesus performs his first miracle 
at the wedding feast in Cana, which again is a, a pointing back to his first initial purpose for our lives, be one with him. He never, the Father never wanted to be separated from us. What a lot of you will miss is that's not where Jesus wants to stop. When you look at the Last Supper, when Jesus is entering into his passion, his marriage, his proof of how much he wants to be one with us, he doesn't want water just to change into wine. He wants the wine to turn into his blood. That's why he tells us, which we'll celebrate in a moment, he tells us, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. It's the only thing that's going to satiate you. You can go to anything but me, says Jesus, but nothing else will make you happy. And Mary is always there interceding for us, just noticing those little things that are going wrong in our lives and saying, they've ran out of wine. They're thirsty. But why should we do that? Well, when you look at the reading of Ephesians, say it's very beautifully written that Jesus, through St. Paul, says wives should be subordinate to their husbands. If, ladies, here today, and for sure, Grace, if you find a man who's like Jesus, if you know Jesus, then you would be like, yeah, I'll do whatever he wants, because if he's willing to die for me to get to heaven, for sure, I'll do it, right? So Jesus, he satiates our thirst ultimately on the cross. If you just look at the cross with me for a second, when you look at Jesus, he is the bridegroom, and he is there. And what does he say on the cross? To fulfill this gospel, he says, I thirst. As he's suffocating, as he's dehydrated, as he barely has any skin left on his body, and he, by the way, he wasn't wearing a loincloth on the cross. He's totally unashamed. He says, I thirst. I thirst for you. And when we come to know the love of Jesus, the thing is, it can't just remain in us. It's an infinite love. It means it has to be poured out into others. And that's where Grace and Karsten come in. That's going to be your job as a married couple, to satiate the thirst in this world by a beautiful witness of your marriage. And our world is dying, literally dying, for good and holy people. There is so much hopelessness, so much despair. When you look at our world, like why would you, why would you get married in, in the church today? Well, maybe because the church is smarter than us. Uh, a tradition that's over 2,000 years old maybe knows a thing or two about a thing or two. So Grace and Carson have come here today to say, to say we've encountered that thirst Jesus and we want to thank you and praise you for the gift that you have given us. And does it take a whole lot of trust and discernment? Absolutely. But when you know your love to the point of Jesus dying for you, that if you were the only person on earth who would have died for you, when you, when you experience that, it's not just words, like Carson praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament and hearing these words, his name, Grace, 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 and you respond in faith. There is hope there. And we believe in a God that will always forgive us. Yesterday, we were so blessed to have a holy hour of adoration and to celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation. The thing is, you can't give what you don't have, right? In order to receive the mercy of God, or, or to give the mercy of God, you have to receive the mercy of God. 
And that's where we are filled once again and covered in his precious blood. Our sins are washed clean. But it can't just stop there. Then we also have to take the next step of forgiving others who doubt. Forgiving others who think water's enough, wine is enough. But no, Jesus wants to satiate our thirst with his blood. And when you have that, that being your, your rock, you have that being your why, you'll never go wrong. It's just that simple. Our world wants to give us so many different things to fix problems, but really, if you pray together, you'll stay together. If you put the Eucharist at the center of all you do, you'll be fine. If you allow Mary to point out little things to you where there is a thirst that's not being met, you'll be fine. But to know that when we turn to Jesus, he wants to fill us to the brim. He doesn't want to leave any area in our hearts empty. And that detail of being filled to the brim is so important because today in the Catholic Church, we celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We have to remember this God who effortlessly created a universe that is 90 plus billion light years across became one of us. To prove to you that you are worth the trouble, that you matter to the Father. And when she had, at the Annunciation, when she was talking to the angel Gabriel, she said, how can this be? So I know not man. But it was, it was said, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will conceive, and you will be overshadowed, which means you'll be protected. And when Mary conceived Jesus into her womb, through her yes, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, what did she do? Did she twiddle her thumbs? Oh, this is so beautiful. This is so great. No, she went. She went and served her cousin Elizabeth. She saw someone else who was thirsty. She had been satiated, and she couldn't remain where she was. And that's what happens when we fall in love with Jesus, when we receive the good news. It's almost so good that it has to spill out of us. And that's where we come back to the sacraments to be filled back up. We bring all that brokenness in our world, and we ask the Lord to help us. We ask the Lord to bless us. We ask the Lord to work through us. And all you have to be doing is to be, is to be willing. To be willing to say, water isn't working. Wine isn't working. Maybe the precious blood of Jesus will work. And we have to remember that Mary gave flesh to God, so that means she gave him blood. We wouldn't have Jesus without Mary. And we celebrate her immaculate heart today, which triumphs over all the difficulties of the world. Because what I want to end with is where this gospel gets really deep. You could say it's a wedding. Water was changed into wine. But Mary and Jesus, Mary being the new Eve, and Jesus being the new Adam, they're talking at a very deep level, an extremely deep level, which goes all the way back to the foundations of the world. When Mary asks the servers to do this, she knows what she's doing. She knows. She's giving Jesus permission to perform his first miracle so he can go to the cross for you and me. To die for our sins. That crushed her. That crushed her. That's why Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. 
And some of us have never encountered that love. We think I'm too far gone. There's no way that Jesus would want to do that for me. And if that's you, you're dead wrong. The evil one is speaking, and I think Mary is just like wanting to bring Jesus into that situation. Because if this day is only about Carson and Grace, we're missing the whole point. They're here to thank the creator of the universe for bringing them together. They say, thank you, God, for creating my spouse. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. But they don't want just us, they don't want just them two together. They want all of us together. That's why it was said in the second reading that we are all one body. And a body who is, who is, that is just all chopped up and divided can't do much. So we pray for a spirit of unity. That as God has desired for all eternity for all of us to be one with him, we pray for Carson and Grace today, yes, to become one flesh. So it's never me again. It's we, right? It's never mine. It's ours. It's never I. It's us. And when you have that moment like we heard in Genesis, when Adam saw Eve, he knew that she was different, just as Carson knows that grace is different. There's that awe that falls upon the husband as he sees his bride. He says, at last, that thirst is going to be satiated. It's going to be satiated. But the thing is, the love was so great between them, just as it is between the father and the son. They got pregnant, right? So when the father and the son, the love is so great between them, they have a third. It's the Holy Spirit. That's why we started by praying the words, come Holy Spirit. Saying the words, come Holy Spirit, is saying, Jesus, I love you. Don't ever let me go to anything that will not satiate me. Protect me from all of the lies of the evil one. And as Jesus' glory was revealed through this first wedding, his first miracle, the disciples began to believe in him. They said, there's something different about you, Jesus. And that's what Carson and Grace believe. They believe there's something different about him because what the world is doing over and over and over isn't working And the more that we spend time with Jesus, especially in front of his Eucharistic face, there's always something different that he reveals about himself. But the thing is, he's just so simple and yet so mysterious at the same time. And don't we all need more simplicity? We don't need things to be complex. And that's why just my simple words to you are are satiate his thirst. The world needs you to be on point. If you're wondering, ever in your marriage, I don't know what to do. Let's go to the Blessed Mother. She saw the problem and brought it to Jesus, as she wants to do for all of us. So on this feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, let us pray for Carson and Grace. Let us invite the Blessed Mother who gave flesh to God, which should awe us to all eternity, to ask for her prayers. For any area in our, in our lives that we are empty, where the water is dirty and we need to be filled to the brim to be transformed from water to wine into the blood of Jesus. Let us ask her who gave blood to Jesus to intercede for us and then just let us pause for a moment.
Because so often we just move so fast through life and we miss the, the beautiful moments. So we're going to give Grace and Carson a moment just to rest with each other before they publicly proclaim their, their love for each other in thanksgiving for Jesus, bringing them together. And so we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.